Hi, everybody. This is Charlie Guarino. Welcome to another edition of Tech Talk SMB. Today, I'm sitting with Mr. John Westcott. John is a DB2i consultant. And the topic that we're going to talk today about is dimensional modeling. John, thanks for coming. It's so great to um, speak with you again. Hey, Charlie, it's great, great to be here. Thanks. John, you know, when we last spoke, the conversation that we got into was about dimensional modeling. And I thought it was so fascinating and a topic that people need to hear more about because it, there's such there are so many different ways that we can derive value from our existing data that people may not be aware of, or, or maybe not not properly putting it in the right ways to get to discern the best data uh, value from it, I should say. So before we even go down that road, for those who may not even know, what is dimensional modeling? So dimensional modeling is a way to reshape your data into something that's more easily consumed by business people, right? They're the people who make the decisions, right? So they're not going to understand our relational database. Relational database optimized for business transactions, right? And all the rules that go along with that. But when it comes down to making a business decision, somebody needs the data accessible to them, right? Available, right? Accurate. It needs to be suitable to their means. And big, it needs to be a single source of truth, right? Because these are the folks that make business decisions, right? They're not going to be worried about um, which tables do I need to go access, right? They're going to want to model just to say, run something on this. So these are end users. These are not people who are necessarily technical. These are not people in the IT department. This should not be the folks in the IT department, right? I mean, they're not the business users. They're not the people who, when it comes to IT decisions, they're obviously the actual business decision makers. But what product should I buy? Should I introduce this into the business? Should I open up a store? Should I do this? Should I do that? Um, these are all business decisions, right? And they should be made by business people. It sounds like the goal is to transform the data, perhaps, into a more usable format for data interrogation for an end user. Absolutely. We, we need to shape that data differently, right? Um, and we're a third normal form, right? Our, our traditional type of database with, uh, you know, files and, and uh, you know, uh, children tables and joins and all those type of things with the rules, we've constraints built into it. It's built for performance of a large number of transactions. Um, all those things don't necessarily always translate into something that's easy for businesses to make decisions from, right? So we kind of want to unravel all that things, put them back together into something that looks differently that users can then uh, access on their terms, right? Not on our terms from a technology standpoint. Vis-a-vis -a, -vis a data warehouse. Absolutely. Data warehouse, data marts, operational data stores, all good stuff. Right. So we're basically, so we are talking about literally replicating our data, but, but it's not just pure replication to me is an exact copy. I think this is taking make another form of the data. Is that what the modeling refers to? Absolutely. Right. It's not just a replicated copy. Right. And chances are we have a replicated copy because of high availability. I have the data in, in system A and now I have to replicate that exact thing in system B. Right. It's a little bit different because it's like for like the the layout of the tables, the schema, right, hasn't changed. The connection between those tables have not changed, right? And, and 
what we're talking about doing is taking this information and massaging it into maybe pre-aggregated forms. Um, give me my monthly totals. Very big deal. And well, what if I had monthly totals already aggregated, right? So users didn't have to sum up thousands or millions of records to get to what was the last 12 months by month snapshots, right? What was the business at the end of every day? Okay. All this information is available on a transactional database, right? But it's not shaped appropriately for a business user. You know, one of the problems I've seen in my, my years of doing this, and, and I mean years of being in IT, not, not necessarily as a, as a person doing data uh, dimensional modeling, I should say, but is that sometimes the onus is put on the end users to have a more intimate knowledge of a database, which is totally out of scope for them. You know, they, they don't necessarily need to know what customer master actually means and the different columns in that table or historical table, things like that. And it's putting too much responsibility. And I think what happens sometimes is that it becomes too complex for the end users. And sometimes these projects just don't get moved forward because it becomes, it, it, there's this illusion of complexity perhaps. So will dimensional modeling help that? Uh, absolutely. Right. Uh, I mean, because what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to take the data and I hate to use the word replicating, but Charlie used it a couple of times, so I'll stick with it, right? Because we're we're not really replicating the data. We're taking the data and we're making something new. So if we look at this as a I'm baking a cake, I have milk, I have eggs, I have flour, right? I have chocolate, whatever, and that's our transactional database, okay? But if I make a make a cake, I got to mix those things together, and now I'm going to make a cake. Or maybe I'm going to take those similar kind of ingredients and mix them differently, and I'm going to get a, a batch of brownies, right, or muffins, okay? And that's what we're doing here, right? So nobody wants to eat raw flour, but everybody would love to have a piece of chocolate cake, okay? So we're reshaping it so it's consumable by business. So the end result for an end – so we, we said, I think, salient accounting was a, were a term we used in our other conversation – uh, so Sally and accounting has a real requirement to do financial analysis, for example. We don't want to put the responsibility in hard to understand the actual GL tables, for example. It should be in a much more usable form. So that's a perfect use case right there in that she shouldn't have to worry about normalized data. Correct. She shouldn't even care what normalized data is. And a lot of times, what do we do to help you know, Sally and accounting? We give her a spreadsheet. And then say, go to town, do whatever you need with it, right? And she performs the analysis and she, you know, massages that data in that spreadsheet into charts or graphs or summaries or whatever she needs, pivots it around. All those type of things are the things that should be available in the warehouse. So when you're looking to say, okay, what would be a good use case for, uh, you know, date, a dimensional model, a, a warehouse or data mart of some sort, look for your spreadsheets because that's where it's probably all that decision-making is now offline. It's in a spreadsheet. And, and, and I'll say this, it also, Sally in accounting and has, has her spreadsheet and, and Bob in accounting has his spreadsheet. And guess what? They don't get the same answers, right? Because maybe Bob ran his this morning, Sally ran hers five minutes ago. The data has changed because business has moved on and now we no longer have a single source of truth. And that's a simple example. How many meetings have you been in where somebody said, my numbers are right, yours are wrong? And so we have all these business users trying to really make a good business decision, but instead try just to decide who is the right data before they even can make a decision. And the truth is they were both right at some moment in time. 
at some moment in time, they were probably both right. Interesting. Which actually, if I bring up that that term again, you know, normalized data, normalized data as a developer, that's something that we strive to do. You know, we talk about third normal form. That's, you know, ultimately, I mean, I guess there's fourth and fifth, but we always say third is a good, you know, good place to, to land. But that's to make our systems run most efficiently. But that's not the best design for what you're describing here. No, no, right. A relationship, relational database model, right? That's what we're, we're used to as developers, right? It's online transaction processing, optimized for business transactions, right? At volume, at scale, right? They're normalized, right? To reduce data redundancy, right? And, and usually they're, they're some type of transactional lock oriented, right? So there's some type of commitment control that says, hey, we all reach the state, do something. And these are all great things, right? And this is what we want from the churn of the business, the everyday activities, okay? But that's not what the users want. The users want information where they can quickly assess something and move on, right? They need to make a decision and maybe it's a quick decision, right? Do I give somebody this refund because they're calling me up and complaining and I need to pull that information up and make a decision to a larger decision that says, should I start selling this product? You know, we uh, we talk about the we use the term replicate here, and that's an interesting term because obviously in an HA environment, I'm going to replicate my data. So if the system crashes, I can immediately do a failover, and now I'm back, I'm up and running without you know any hiccup in the in the system, the operation. But that's not our goal. But yet, when I hear people talk about doing data mining things like that, uh, oftentimes I hear, oh, hit the replication box, hit the HA box, because then I want to tax the system. But is that is that always the best approach? You know, whether it's the best approach or not, you know, it's often the best approach by moving those those queries right um, off to an isolated environment on your your replicated box, right? Your backup box. Usually, there's no other activity going on on that box. It sits idle. So why not take advantage of that environment, right? It's got its own processor, its own cores, right? Its own memory, its own disk. Um, why, why not? Okay. But the question is, is that good for business decisions? Because it's just your transactional data, right? We haven't shaped it, right? If you go back to the, the whole make, making of a cake, right? It's, it's independent eggs and flowers and milk and things like that. And is that, do, are we asking users to make the cake to make the decision, right? Or do we just want to say, here's the cake, make your decision? Okay, and that's really, really the difference. Where yeah, it's great to run on a separate workload, backup environments make a great option, but they're not shaped properly, right, for user consumptions. I hear sometimes that people want to take IBMI data and sure we can have the discussion of dimensional modeling, but then move it to another platform. And my first question that comes to mind is well, why aren't we just hitting the database? on IBMI. So how do you speak to that? <laughs> I take a deep breath, shake my head, just the same as you and go, okay, why? What are you trying to accomplish, right? What do you think you're going to get by moving that workload to some other cloud database, okay? And, and usually uh, there, sometimes there's a reason, right? Because the business wants it there, okay, right? And we, that's a whole separate discussion about how did we get into that boat? Sometimes we need to aggregate data from multiple sources. And a lot of times we think that, you know, IBM IDB2 is closed, right? And that we can't participate in Microsoft's 
world or Excel, uh, Oracle or all these snowflakes and things. Well, sure, we can bring that information into us, right, into this, this dimensional modeling that we build and enhance it with data from other sources, other database, other external web services. Um, weather is a great example. We use weather an awful lot, right? Um, and we actually have a client who's using weather to aggregate, enhance their data. Uh, they want to know what was the weather at the store. And I think that's a great example of analysis, right? Why were the store sales down? Well, we had monsoon rains that day, right? We had snow in April, and that was unexpected, and the stores shut down, right? We didn't get our traffic, foot traffic in, right? Without having that piece of information enhanced through this into this dimensional modeling, into this warehouse, we wouldn't have known that. We'd have been shaking our head. Why did the store not do well in April? You know, John, uh, a, a well-normalized database, you know, by design is to, is to uh, create it to eliminate redundancy. And again, to make the programs work most efficiently. And then I, I, but let's, but what we're talking about here is, I'm not going to say the exact opposite, but it's, it's a repopulation and an explosion of what I have today. So if I have a million historical records, for example, the end result after it, after it gets transformed in a dimensional modeling, it may be far more than a million rows. That That is correct. Because, it, you know, sometimes what we, we fail to look at when we build a dimensional model, and if you look on a row by row basis, that's usually not a good way of looking at it because I have a you know a thousand customers and I have a you know five thousand products and all these transactions. So we can start seeing well how much transactions occur on a regular month. Um, so we know the volume of data. It's pretty easy to predict. But in a data warehouse, when we reshape that data, would we end up with more records? Probably. Okay. But we'd end up with more records in a more efficient way for users to, to, to consume that data, right? To understand what that data meant, right? Because maybe we're going to not use third normal form. These tables will no longer be normalized. In fact, they'll be denormalized, right? In many instances into something that's more flat. Maybe I have customer um, customer's uh, name and product and sales transaction date all on the same row because it provides better performance for whatever the user is making a decision, okay? If that's important, if it's important for users to have customer product, data sale, quantity sold revenue at their fingertips, then build the data warehouse that way, right? Model your data in that respect because it serves the purpose of the users making the proper decisions. If you don't have that type of decision, then don't build your model that way, right? There isn't a one-fit-all, build your model this way. There's no magic bullet. There's no one way of doing it. You have to understand it. You have to come from the businesses, actual business users who make decisions and model the data to fit their needs. So that translates to more you know, additional DASD. Absolutely, right? You will increase your DASD, right? But you know, DASD, you know, quote unquote, the saying today is DASD is cheap, right? And it is comparatively to where it was decades ago. But I think the really, the thing you need to worry about or thing you really want to consider is if I have one user who can make one business decision that leads to $100,000 in savings or a net gain of some way because they had an instant access to data to make the proper decision 
did that DASD pay for itself? It sure did. And if I have 10 people doing that, it really did. So it really amplifies the ROI very quickly. Yeah, it does. So the argument of not doing this becomes very weak, I guess, in, in a very short term. It is, right? And we've, we've, we've boxed ourselves in the IBMI community into some corners, right? And we've tried to, to make things, things better. Um, you know, I often tell people, do you have a history file? Okay. Well, yes. Okay. You, you, you got a good foot forward into some kind of data warehouse. Okay. Maybe it's not shaped properly, right? Maybe we need to, to model it into a dimensional way, but at least you're pointed in the right direction. Um, you know, and if you're changing that data, if you're enhancing it, right? I don't want character dates to go into my history tables. I actually want date, data types, right? So there's a little bit of already transformation of data that, that's occurring, right? So maybe now we're building an operational data store, okay? So we're really tiptoeing into the light end of, of data warehousing just by doing these small, simple things. So let's go a little bit deeper on that point. We, we, uh, you mentioned historical data, and that's a, that's a good starting point. Uh, give, give me a good use case. I mean, if, I, if I'm somebody in accounting, I'm, I, I'm trying to make financial decisions for, for the company, for example. So walk me through that. I have, I have a financial historical table, and I, I, I want to empower Sally in accounting to make better decisions. I'm going to use some kind of dimensional model. I'm going to, I'm going to speak with Sally first and see what information are you trying to you know, receive from this? What's your ultimate goal? Is that the, is that the roadmap for this? Uh, absolutely. I always preach that you have to go out to your user population to find out what their needs are. Because a lot of times you don't know what it is. You make an assumption or you think you know what, what they might need. But once you talk to them, you get a completely different type of thing. Right. So the, the way I look at it is that on, on one side, right, we have the IT brain. OK. And then on the opposite side of the page, we have the, the business brain. Right. And over the years, right, the decades, those brains have come closer together. Now, it's not video, Charlie, so you can't see my hands moving together here. But those those two brains have come closer together. Right. But we need to bring them into that last little bit and merge them together. Right. So they come into sync. OK. And data, they, it's all about the data. OK. And if we can get people data, the information that they need, business will receive our ROI. Right, whether it be Sally in accounting, or, or Fred on the loading dock, or you know, you know, you know, the CFO or the owner of the business, right? It's data. Data drives business. And a lot of times, and I'll, I'll just go off on a soapbox here for a second, is that a lot of times we get hung up as technologists and what's the better application? We're using RPG, we're using SQL, we're using Node.js or Java. That's irrelevant. Okay, it's the data, right? That drives the business decisions, not the application language. So there's two points I want to you know, make make to what you just said. And the first one is that, you know, if we're going to have this goal to build, you know, to, to build a, a, an efficient and useful data warehouse, we can't or nor should we do it in a vacuum. We need to collaborate with the business end users to to come up with a better version of the data or better, a better, I guess, is that the right, a right version of the data? Is that the right word? Yeah, right. I'll use the word model instead of version, right? Okay. But yes, it's a it's a model that we want to build, and we we can't do it in isolation. We we need to understand what the business really needs, right? And then then 
it's it's maybe salary and accounting and maybe it's it's a couple of other people and we need to get all these these folks together and understand really what they're trying to accomplish right what would move the business forward right and if we can learn what moves the business forward then we can model it and shape it in some way with data okay and then maybe that model is successful and then maybe we'll have to create another model over time right we'll have to relearn new problems and develop new models to solve those new problems so again it's not a it, it's not a i do it once and go away kind of thing it's a continually evolving type of situation so it's a living thing so to speak absolutely living thing absolutely the the, the data is a living entity right and it, it grows up over time and sometimes you know little pieces die off because that that part of the business is not if we solve that problem there's no more problems to solve Maybe that little data model just just kind of languages and, de- and gets deprecated over time, and new models take its place. And you know, it's funny how my brain initially went to Sally and accounting. So you know, me thinking of a financial analysis, but really the uh, the 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 breadth of what can be you know taken from this is is virtually unlimited. There's no reason why we couldn't look at a manufacturing floor or the distribution, you know, the supply chain or any any other facet of a business. There's no reason why we couldn't do analysis on this and, and get and get valuable information you know valuable nuggets of information that we that may not have been have been so obvious in a in a, in a normalized database so to speak it, 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 exactly and i'll give you an example right um so you know yesterday as a matter of fact it was kind of an odd day I had two people two different clients call and want to talk about how to get insights into their shipments right lots of missed shipments they need to understand why are these shipments um, failing, right? What's the what's the root cause? They needed to understand how to solve that problem. Well, they had the data, and it was very convoluted, right? Um, it was spread out as all of these IBMI databases tend, tended to be, right? They have legacy back into the system 36 and, and one of these clients, right? So a lot of bad database design that had been inherited through the year, but they still, at, at the end of the day, they needed to, to, to figure out and get their handle on where were these shipments, what was causing these shipment delays or misshipments? We had to model the data, right? So now we understand, ah, we have problems with shipments. Well, let's take the data out. Let's aggregate it. Let's start and put, let's start and figure out what type of information, what facts do we need to understand? And then what perspectives, categories do we start needing to look at these facts through, right? And once we understood what those lenses were, then we were able to start talking about, okay, here's probably what you're going to need to get this type of information. You know, one thing I, I checked on, John, before we had this little conversation is that, you know, I, I looked at other examples, other use cases, and, and what came back was absolutely fascinating to me. I mean, healthcare is, you know, health, I mean, that's a whole other huge, huge industry, supply chain analysis, social media, media analytics, fraud detection, inventory management, HR. It, it seems the list is, list is endless, it seems. It, well, it, it is. Right. And, and I'm, I'm taking that as a, as a leading question, right? Because all of these things um, combined with your, it's a living document, it's changing, it's evolving, it's growing, right? And we need to get our handle on all this information. Um, and there is this thing that's out there in the, in the world, right? And some people think it's scary. We have this artificial intelligence, this machine learning thing. Um, but we can tie into that a little bit, right, and gain insights, right, insights into analytics that give us a perspective, right? Maybe we get an answer to a question 
that we didn't even know needed to be asked, okay? And it's all funneled through this data and it has to be someplace, right, where it makes sense for us to make choices, business choices, right? And it, so it almost seems to me that one, one data set that's running in production, my production data, one data set can yield so many different aspects of data. Yes. Yes. Right. So when we typically, when we, we will, when we dimension data, we'll look at what is a specific need and we'll build these things called facts around dimensions. Right. And that's the traditional star scheme. Right. We've probably over the years seen the picture of the of the, the five pointed star with a word in the middle. And that's the fact. And then at each point are the different categories that we can can slice and dice and view this data, right? The dimensions around that star. So yes, typically we have these multi-facts, right? Multiple facts that are tied to these dimensions to answer specific type of questions. Yes, we can tie these different facts together and to create a larger answer or a larger perspective on the data. And ultimately the data warehouse doesn't necessarily have to only be reliant on data coming from IBM DB, DB2. It can be coming from many different sources. Oh, ab absolutely, right. I mean, there's no reason that we could not, um, you know, take and jest, right, would be the word, right? We can be part of a pipeline, right? There's this thing called the data pipeline, right, where data moves from place to place to place to place to wherever, wherever it needs to end up. It's transformed along the way. Um, so we can participate in that pipeline and be just a cog in that, that chain, or we can be the end place, right? And we can take data from Oracle and data from Snowflake and data from Azure and Microsoft SQL Server and any place else, bring that into our warehouse um, and then create this enterprise view of your data. You know, I think my big takeaway from our discussion, John, here is I, I think there's so much additional value that could be that can be obtained from what we already have. And it's just a matter of knowing how to properly properly shape it into more meaningful and, you know, cubes. Is that a, a term I hear? Uh, cubes, is that the right word? Cubes? Cubes. Cube is along with data modeling, right? So right. the cubes is a big part of it, right? The cube usually provides a pre-aggregated dimension perspective on a data, right? So it, it, it is a very specific need. Um, uh, it, it provides a, a specific answer to a specific need. But I guess my point is there, uh, it, it, it's, it's, the time is now for us to look at our database and really communicate with our end users and, and allow, empower them and, and really see what they need to really derive more value and become less dependent on the IT department to, to get that value out of the database. A a absolutely, right? I, I mean, I, I talked to somebody you know, about a year ago, who's like, well, I don't need that. I don't, well, I'm like, well, why don't you need that? Well, I give them reports. I'm like, well, printed copy is only going to go so far. And they're like, oh, well, they take that printed copy and then we have the software that turns it into an Excel spreadsheet and then they do whatever they want with it. My, I'm done, right? And that's a that's not the perspective that I believe that that we need to take. We need to give people charts and graphs, visualization, dashboards, right? information at their fingertips, right? It's accessible, it's there. Everybody has the same information, right? I don't have 12 spreadsheets running around in data silos. Everybody comes to the same spot. Everybody's getting the same information. And then hopefully everybody can make the same decision, right? Faster decisions, better decisions, right? That's all good for business.
with one version of the truth. One version of single source, single, single source, source of truth. truth. You know, I have a feeling we just touched the tip of the iceberg here. I, I suspect that you and I could probably speak for hours on this very topic. It's so fascinating to me. I love, I love dimensional modeling, right? Data warehousing is is something that I believe every IBM shop should be invested in, right? Um, it is critical for business. And we're seeing a lot of it, right? The, the, the rise of all these cloud databases like Tableau and Snowflake and Azure, all these, all these databases are, are, are popping up because there is a need for business to have this type of information. And we can go to these external sources, right? If we want to go to Azure, that's great, okay? But we don't need to, right? We, we can do it on IBMI and participate solely on an IBMI environment or in a, in a environment that includes other databases as well. We can bring the information to us. We can send information out to other folks. So interesting. Um, John, I'm going to I'm going to leave it there with the understanding that I'm going to have to bring you back at some point because this is uh, such a fascinating <laughs> topic. And I think people can really get more value out of the machines that they already have that they already have running on in their on their premises or in the cloud, whatever. A absolutely. Right. The, the data is the value. Right. And there's so much rich history of data on the platform. Right. With system 36, 38, AS400, iSeries, we're eyes today. Right. All that data. We have 40 years worth of data, 35 years, 35th anniversary, 35 years worth of data um, locked into our systems. Right. We need to unlock that. Right. For true business uh, value. So for anybody listening, I, I will kind of leave it here because I, I gosh, we can just talk, for, as I said, we talk for hours, but I think my takeaway is this is a topic worthy of your time to learn more about. And I think you're going to be very pleased with how much information you can get from what you already have sitting on your disk. Is that a, is that a good, is that a good summary, John? A absolutely. Right. You don't know the unlocked potential. Right. And still and use the word data mining earlier. Right. Until you start mining for that data, looking for it, you don't know what you're going to find. And if you talk to your users, you're going to find the right questions to start asking. Unlocking the value. Unlocking, Unlocking the value. Yes. Yeah. That's a maybe that's a good title for our, our podcast today. Unlocking the value. There you go. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. John, I want to thank you so, so much for your time today. This is, again, a, a, an absolutely fascinating topic and one, that's, uh, one that I think anybody who listens to this podcast should really take to heart because it, it's, um, it's, just, it, it's great for decision support for anybody, any, any end user. Not, and again, we're empowering our users, which is a great goal. A absolutely. Absolutely. Terrific. Well, John, thank you very much. It's truly a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. And uh, for anybody else, everyone else who's listening, be sure to check out Tech Channel website. It's uh, chock full of other podcasts and white papers and such, and it's really worth worth a look. Anyway, this is Charlie Guarino, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye now.